Anxiety is the fruit of fear. When we're afraid about something, we have anxiety about it. We can experience fear-filled anxiety over any number of issues. We can experience fear-filled anxiety over anything from money to friendships to health to our personal safety. When fear-filled anxiety rules our lives, it prevents us from having any real peace. Fear-filled anxiety is one reason so many people today have so little or have no real peace. Peaceless people very often put on a a good face in public. They make a a pretense that everything is alright, but in private, in the dark of the night, when it's just them and God, their inner turmoil and their fear stills any hope of real peace. Now we often think of peace as a lack of conflict. And peace is when everything in our world is working just the way we think it ought to be. There's no conflict, there's no pain, there's no hardship, there's no struggling, there's really no nothing uh, bad going on in our world at all. And, and while this is a kind of peace, it is not the kind of peace that God's Word speaks of. It's not the kind of peace God's Word teaches us we can have as disciples of Jesus. The peace God's Word speaks of is the peace we can have despite the fact Things are very wrong in our world. Well, this kind of or Billy Graham described this kind of peace this way. He said in Christ, we are relaxed and at peace in the midst of the confusions, the bewilderments and the perplexities of this life. The storm rages, but our hearts are at rest. We have found peace at last. God's peace allows our hearts and minds to be at peace no matter the storms, no matter the circumstances, no matter the issues going on in our life. Author Corey Russell says, true peace is a rare thing. We are surrounded by hundreds of reasons to be anxious. Our lives are driven by the demands of work, finances and relationships, each more stressful than the next. And when our circumstances are momentarily peaceful, we're faced with the restlessness of our own souls. This is why a supernatural peace is the greatest need of the hour. When our souls are at rest, we're able to sleep in the stern of the boat, though it is tossed by the wind and the waves. We're able to hear God clearly, regardless of the trials and pressures we face. In the midst of personal and national crises, The ability to rest will be our greatest refuge and our greatest anchor. So how do we get this kind of peace? How do we keep this kind of peace? We'll open God's word to Isaiah 26. Should be page 535 in the Pew Bible. When you find that, I'm going to stand to honor the reading of God's word. We're going to look at just two verses, verse 3 and 4 of Isaiah 26. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. The title of the message tonight is The Peace of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. You are great and glorious. You are wonderful and worthy. We thank you tonight for the opportunity we have to study your word. We thank you tonight, Father, for the promise of peace that we can have. Lord, we know this world It's not a peaceful place. It is not a peace-filled place. And it is difficult to have a peaceful heart and a peaceful mind with all of the things going on. But Lord, you are greater than all of that. 
You're greater than whatever the news is going to report later on. You're greater than whatever's going to happen tomorrow. You're greater than anything that may be going on in our lives currently. Father, you are greater. You are better. You are bigger. And you are the sovereign ruler over all. And you've promised us in your word that you will keep us in perfect peace. What a great promise. Guide us tonight to look at your word. Let Holy Spirit come and open our hearts and minds to receive it in the way it was intended. You've promised, Father, your word would not return void. But it will accomplish that for which you've sent it. So let it accomplish its purpose in us tonight and give us this perfect peace you've promised. Lord, I know the temptation for so many of us is to come to your word. And when we see a promise like this, to begin to find reasons why it doesn't mean what it clearly and plainly says it means. Guard us against doing that tonight. Let us take hold of this and hold on to it. Let us seek you. Let us receive your peace. And let it guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The people of Isaiah's day at the point in which he wrote Isaiah 26 were facing a constant invasion from the Assyrians. And this was a the Assyrian Empire was a massive empire, much larger than the nation of Israel. And this left them in a state of fear filled anxiety. But God has never wanted his people to live in a state of fear filled anxiety. God has always wanted his people to have the perfect peace that he can give them. And so he he sends Isaiah to give this particular message to them, telling them that, yes, now, now, again, one of the things I think is important to us is God doesn't deny the situation. God doesn't say the Assyrians aren't big. God doesn't tell them the Assyrians aren't going to attack. He doesn't tell them things aren't as bad as they seem. He doesn't do any of that stuff. Instead, what God does is he tells them he cares for them. He's greater than what's going on. And that he can, even in the midst of the potential attacks of the Assyrians, give them Peace. Now, not just a measure of peace, not just a little peace, but specifically it says a perfect peace was available to them. As the people of God, His perfect peace was available to them despite the circumstances of the world around them. The lesson for us is God's perfect peace is always available to every disciple of Jesus. God's perfect peace is always available to every disciple of Jesus. So how do we how do we access this perfect peace? Well, first, we have to seek peace from God. Uh, This is really kind of where everything has to start, because the world around us, it offers us any number of other things we can try to latch on to and we can try to find peace from that. Many people in our culture try to find peace through financial security. So long as they are accumulating the right amount of wealth and stuff, they have peace. The larger their bank account, the more stuff they have, they have peace. Many in our world seek peace through success. As long as they are perceived as successful by those around them, then they feel 
at peace. As long as they feel their their job or their career is making forward progress, they have peace. The more successful they feel, the greater the peace they feel they have. Politics. There is one mighty thing in our culture right now where people seek to find peace. It is through politics. And so long as our political party is in power, we're at peace. All is right with the world uh, while my political party is the one in charge, making the rules, setting the standards. Good health. Many people look to try to have peace through their good health. If we are healthy, if our immediate family is healthy, then we feel there's great peace in our life. Or stability or, or comfort. And essentially with this, as long as everything in our life is kind of the way we think it ought to be, well, then we feel we are at peace. Now, the problem with any of those issues or anything else that the world offers as a source of peace is they all fluctuate. And as they fluctuate, so will our peace. If our peace comes from any of the world's sources of peace... Write it down because it's certain we will be a victim of circumstances beyond our control at one point or another. And when that happens, we will not have peace. If our source of peace is in what the world offers, there there will. I mean, this is not there could be there. There will. There will always be a time when we cannot have peace because we might lose our job. That's always a real possibility. We may lose our health. Life has taught all of us that routine trips to the doctor turn out badly often. Our car could get wrecked. Our political party may lose the election. On and on it goes. And if any of these things happen, anything that threatens our source of peace, that weakens the stability of what we're turning to for peace, we will lose our peace. And that peace will not return until these problems are fixed. If our peace comes from something the world offers, our peace will be in a constant state of flux. The peace the world offers is temporary at best. The source of peace God offers through Jesus is very different from this. Since God is the source of peace, it never fluctuates. God is not affected by the circumstances of this world. Malachi 3.6 assures us God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's plans don't change. God's power don't change. God's sovereignty doesn't change. Nothing about God ever changes. And so the God who can give us peace in the good times of life is the God who can give us peace in the bad times of life. There will never be a circumstance that comes into our life where in that moment God cannot give us peace as his children and as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 3 that, that God will keep us in perfect peace. It's a gift from God. It's not something we we strive to attain. It's not that we balance everything out in our lives just so, so that we have peace. It is something we, we go to God, we seek it from God, and God gives it to us. 
It is his gift to his children, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, peace as a gift from God is a is a consistent testimony in God's word. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I love this because in a in the time in which we live. Peace certainly is a blessing, isn't it? Right? It is just a to, to have peace regardless of what's going on in a world dominated by fear and anxiety and stress. Peace is a blessing. But it says the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, that's a that's a certainty, right? He he will not. He might not. He could not even he should do that. He will. God will bless his people of peace. With peace. And, and speaking of blessings, a familiar blessing for our church that we may be used to hearing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God can not only give us peace, but he can fill us with all peace. I mean, that picture's filled to the brim. Total peace flooded us from the bottoms of our feet to the tops of our head. And it's a gift. That God gives to us. And since it is a gift that God gives. And since God does not change. Peace is something we can always have. The peace God wants us to have. And the peace God does give to us. Does not depend on any external circumstances at all. It depends solely on the Lord. His ability to give peace. The perfect peace of God is always available to every disciple of Jesus. But to have this peace, this perfect peace, we must really in many ways forego the peace from the world and seek peace from God exclusively. Because if I'm trying to get my peace from God plus this, this will always fluctuate. This will always be a changing thing. And this will always leave me with a little bit of anxiety and fear. But when we can let go of whatever this is and just seek the Lord and just find peace from Him, then we can have a perfect peace regardless of the circumstances. We need to seek peace from God, but secondly, we need to focus our thoughts on God. Isaiah says that God gives this perfect peace to the those with a steadfast mind. Now, the steadfast mind is a mind that is steadfastly fixed on God, fixed on the fact that God is the Lord, fixed on the fact that God is an everlasting rock, fixed on the fact that God is the sovereign ruler over all Creation. Now, the idea for the original readers, hearers, was for them to turn their minds away from the Assyrians and what they feared they might do and turn their minds to the Lord, their God, who is their everlasting rock. They're not supposed to fix their thoughts any longer on the possibility of an Assyrian attack. They're not supposed to focus their thoughts on what the Assyrians might do if they come. They're not supposed to focus their thoughts on the size of the Assyrian army. Rather than focusing on any of those things, 
They're to focus their thoughts on God. Don't focus on what could happen. Don't focus on all the what ifs you think will happen. Focus instead on God. This is what we're supposed to do as well. You know, the reality is many times our our anxiety, our fears are often not even really rooted in things that are really going on. How many of us have had the experience of laying up at night worrying about all the things that could happen? We go over our worst case scenarios for all of these things that that could occur. And, And what are we doing in that moment? We're focusing on all of those things and we are anxious and we are afraid. And notice in those moments when we're thinking about all of these worst case scenarios and all of these what ifs. What is missing from our thoughts in that moment? God. God is not at all. In our thoughts at that time, our thoughts aren't, gosh, this could go bad, but God is awesome and he'll take care of it. Our thoughts are God is gone. I mean, it's not that we're we hate God. We're turning away from God. It's just he's not in our thoughts at all because we're so fixated on all of these things that could go wrong and all of these things that could go bad. We have to fix, learn to fix our thoughts on God. Fixing our thoughts on God gives us peace because as we fix our thoughts on God, we remember that that God is sovereign. And then we won't despair over whatever turn of world events has to has just happened. When we remember that God is all powerful, we'll remember God can handle any problem we may encounter. When we remember that God is faithful, we'll Think about the many times God has already brought us through troubling and difficult times. When we remember that God is all-knowing, we won't worry about the future because God already knows what's going to happen, how things are going to turn out. When we remember that God loves us, we will live confidently knowing He wants what is best for us. When we remember that God has given us promises, we'll know that God has promised That no matter what situation comes into our life, he has promised somehow to work that circumstance for our good and for his glory. And this is important that we do this because of what happens when our thoughts are not focused on God. I mean, have you ever noticed how easy it is to let fear filled, anxious thoughts dominate your mind? Have you ever noticed that when you begin to give in to those and think on those, it adds to it, right? You say this one circumstance, I'm really concerned about this one issue. But it doesn't just stay with the one issue, does it? As you work through your worst case scenarios and all of the what ifs, you begin to to take the rabbit trail of, well, if that happens, then that can happen. Oh my gosh, and if that happens, this will happen. Oh man, if that happens, this over here will happen. And And it's just a they build and they grow and they get bigger and more and more and they squish all thoughts of God out of our mind. And when that happens, that's when we become the most afraid. That's when we become the most anxious. That is when we become the most the most depressed. And it's in those moments when we 
nearly despair over the problems. The number of fear-filled, anxious thoughts grow until they threaten to swallow us up and destroy our faith, our hope, our trust in God. I think one of the best illustrations of this from God's word is is Peter as he sought to walk on the water. Now, if you're familiar with the story from Matthew 14, Jesus sends the disciples to cross the lake knowing that there's a big storm coming. And the storm comes and they're rowing hard against it. Jesus comes to them walking on the water. Now, my conviction, and I can't prove this outside of my conviction on this, is the reason he came walking on the water was because the thing they were most afraid of at that point was the water. They were afraid the waves were going to capsize the boat and they would all drown. And Jesus came walking on the water to show them that what they're most afraid of, He is walking on the top of it. And so they see Him, they're rightfully afraid because it's not every day you see somebody walking on the water like that. Jesus tells them not to be afraid because it's Him. And Peter, our boy Peter, who is never afraid to just jump out and speak, says, Lord, if it's really you, call me out there. I want to walk on the water too. To which Jesus says, come on. And Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on the water for a bit. But then what happens? He starts to sink. Why did he start to sink though? Because he took his eyes off the Lord. When he looked at Jesus, he was walking on the water. But when he looked at the storms, he forgot the power of Jesus and he began to sink. And that's what happens with us as well. When our eyes are fixed on the Lord, we can walk on the top of it. We have peace. And when our eyes go to the size of the problem instead of the size of our God, we sort of immediately begin to sink under the waves. Anytime we take our our focus off God and put it on our circumstances, we will, not we might, we will start to sink. The less we think about God, the less we focus on God, the bigger our circumstances will always seem. And the more we focus on our circumstances, the more likely we are to forget how great, how powerful, how awesome our God is. Now, what are the circumstances in your life right now that are taking your eyes off of the greatness and the power and the majesty of God? Now, if you have something, let me ask a further question. How's that working out for you? What what are the results Of focusing on your problem or on the circumstances and not on God. Is your faith stronger? Do you have more peace? Or do you feel like you're about to be swallowed up? Now I don't... Let me share a verse and I'll I'll share something that's off the cuff. I've been working on trying to memorize this verse. Well, not memorize it, to just practice it. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. I love that. Can I say, for many of us that struggle with anxiety and fear, perhaps the best thing to do is to turn off the news. 
Perhaps the best thing to do is quit listening to talk radio. Perhaps the best thing to do is to get off social media and quit reading the headlines and the things everybody else is saying. Because those things are without doubt intended, intentionally intended to make us afraid. That's the whole point of them all. Now, some would say, but but then you won't know what's going on in the world. To which I would say, what's more important? Knowing what's going on in the world or having a perfect peace from God? If we can't watch the news and maintain our focus on the glorious splendor of God's majesty and on His wonderful works, something is going to have to give if we're to have peace. Either our thoughts of God or our thoughts of the news. And I think we ought to pick wisely. Someone asked me one time if I'd seen something that was going on. I told them I didn't. I hadn't watched the news in I don't know how long. I don't read. I look at the headlines maybe. But I try not to. I just don't know. He said, well, how do you know what's going on? You, you need to be up on what's going on. I said, but think about how stressed you are right now. You are really stressed and really angry and really unhappy. I'm very happy and very much at peace. Who do you think is making better life choices at this moment? If we can't watch those things and maintain our peace because they take our thoughts off of God, we ought to turn those things off. We're going to have to sacrifice one for the sake of the other. And it's going to be our choice. The old song says it well. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The light of his glory and grace. The perfect peace of God is always available to every disciple of Jesus. But to have the perfect peace, we must focus our thoughts on God. And then lastly, trust God. So seek peace from God. Focus our thoughts on God. And then trust God. Why would the Israelites focus their thoughts on God rather than on the possible Syrian invasion? Because, as it says in verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. They trusted in God. If they would trust in God, trust in the power of God, trust the sovereignty of God, trust the goodness of God, trust the love of God, trust the, the, the power of God in all circumstances, then they could focus on God. They could look to God. And in really, in, in a big way, how they focused their minds would be a great picture, a great demonstration of where their trust really was. Was their trust in the power of God, as evidenced by focusing on God, or was their trust in the power of the Assyrians, as evidenced by their focusing on the Assyrians? We also... Focus our thoughts on God because we trust Him. We too trust in the power of God. We too trust in the goodness of God. We too trust in the sovereignty of God. The love of God. And with us, how we focus our minds or where we focus our minds is a great demonstration of where our trust ultimately is. Now, one of the best ways to focus our tr thoughts on God and to express our trust in God is 
by praying to God. And God's word, in fact, gives us a prayer promise that give about peace. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, that's a big statement, right? Do not be anxious about anything. Well, what about the election? Anything. What about the economy? Anything. What about this latest thing that's going to come out? Anything. But in everything, with prayer and pleading, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So God's word explicitly tells us, rather than letting fear-filled anxiety consume us, we should pray. We just lay the case before the Lord and trust that he does all things well. Fear-filled anxiety is a subtle form of distrust in God. Fear-filled anxiety says we don't trust God will provide. It says we doubt God cares. It says we aren't sure God can handle our situation. Author Henry Blackaby in the Experiencing God book takes it a step further and says fear is simply faith in the enemy. We think more about what the enemy can do than we do about what God can do. We trust more in the enemy's power to harm and to hurt, to cause trouble than we do in God's power to keep and protect and do what he says he can do. And God's word offers us prayer as the antidote to fear-filled anxiety. Instead of wallowing in our fear-filled anxiety, we're to pray. Now, there are multiple use, multiple words used for prayer in Philippians 4. And they each teach us something about the kind of prayers we should pray to have the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. We should pray regularly. right? He says, in everything by prayer. First word for prayer used, it, it would literally just essentially refer to our regular times of prayer. This isn't crisis prayer time. This is our regular time of bringing all things to God and all the different stuff we pray about on a regular basis. And I'll go on this quickly, but I just want to say that many times, if we're honest, we are crisis Christians. In our regular time, we really aren't overly devoted to prayer. But when a crisis arises, then we are deeply devoted to prayer. And to be sure, when a crisis arises, we should be deeply devoted to prayer. But when the crisis is gone, we should be just as deeply devoted to prayer. We pray here, he says, about everything. The idea about behind pray about everything is we pray about everything. But we also pray with thanksgiving. Praying with thanksgiving is important because it shows we haven't forgotten the things God has already done for us in our lives. If you're a born again child of God... You have a laundry list of things the great God of heaven has already done for you in your life. At the very least, you have Christ and what he has done on the cross, the salvation that God has given to you, the Holy Spirit who lives within you, and the fact that all of the promises of God are yes and amen. You could just 
Go through and thank God for all that you are in Christ. You're a new creation. You're an adopted child of God. You're an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. There's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. On and on we could go thanking God for that. But I would also suspect that as genuine born-again children of God, we have many, many other things we could praise God and thank God for as well. For the ways that He has worked in our life, previous prayers He has answered, times He has carried us through the valleys, through the struggles, and through the bad circumstances. And so we always want to make sure that is a part of our, our prayers. So that we can, one, it calms our heart. Thanking God for what He has done reminds us, you know what? This isn't the first time I've been in a crisis. God took care of me before. I bet God will take care of me again. Pray specifically. Paul says, make your requests, let your requests be known to God. The word for requests would refer to detailed prayer about specific issues. I believe we should pray as specifically as possible. Particularly in crisis situations. Now, to be sure, there is a time to cry out as Peter did, Lord, save me. Lord, help. But there's also a time to just be as specific as we possibly can be about the circumstance that's causing the anxiety, the issues going on in our lives. Pray specifically. And then he he says with, with pleading. So we should pray passionately. Pleading carries with the idea of fervency in our prayers. It is an intense sharing of burdens, needs, and problems. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms particularly, pleading is referred to often as lifting up our souls to God, lifting up our hearts to God, pouring out our souls to God. All of these things picture deeply earnest, fervent, passionate prayer. This kind of prayer is not the quick, dear Lord, take care of this, amen kind of prayer. This kind of prayer is what the old time preachers used to call praying through. Praying through is praying and pleading and pouring our hearts out and bearing our souls to God until we're sure we have broken through. We have reached the throne of grace where we are assured we will find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. I genuinely believe There is a lack of peace among Christians in our day because there is a lack of praying through. Everything in our culture is to be done quick. We can get pizzas to our house in 30 minutes or less, and if they're not there in that amount of time, we're angry. We can get things in the microwave. We can get a lot. So many things are instant with even with ebooks, you find a book you want, you push a button, you can be reading it 10 seconds later. It's an amazing what we have and how quickly things are given to us. But spiritual things don't work that way. Not typically. We have to invest the time. We have to plead and pray and pour out our soul and lift up our hearts. And this takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It is work. It is hard work to pray in that way. And sadly, what often 
passes for Christian prayer in our culture is superficial. It's rushed. And it often lacks any real fervor or passion. And because of that, we have no peace. We aren't willing to take the time. We aren't willing to stay crying out to the Lord until we know we have broken through. And so we miss out on the perfect peace that is promised to us. Now, prayer, it combats the fear filled anxiety by allowing us in some ways just to get it out of our system. Sometimes it's good to just offload our fear filled anxiety onto someone else. But if we offload it to another person, typically all we do is pass our fear filled anxieties onto another who can't handle it any better than we can. But when we go to God with prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, we offload it on to the one who has invited us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. The one who has invited us to, to come to him and find rest for our souls. He doesn't want us to carry around our fear-filled anxieties. He doesn't want us to wallow in those things. He doesn't want us to feel swallowed up in them. He wants us to go to Him, to offload them onto Him and let Him bear the burden that we cannot bear alone. And we pour out what is in our hearts to God, telling Him what we need, telling Him what's going on, just laying it all on the line. And the promise is peace is the result. A peace which surpasses all comprehension. And it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The, the word guard is a military term. It meant to surround with a, a garrison or like a fort, you know, in modern in army terms, would say it builds a fort around our heart. I love that picture. I love the picture of the peace of God coming into my life, building a fort around my heart and around my mind and defending me against all of the attacks of the enemy that would steal my peace and fill me with anxiety and fear. God's peace is like soldiers guarding our hearts, guarding our minds and the strength of God, securing them against all of the attacks of the enemy who would try to bring us fear filled anxiety in our lives. And it's important to notice it says, again, it, it's a will, right? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds. Not, not it might, not it could, not it should, that should help some. Will. If we pray the way God has taught us to pray in that passage, we will experience God's perfect peace regardless of what's going on. But the question is, do we believe this? Do we believe? Do we believe it enough to pray regularly about everything? Do we believe it enough 
to pray with thanksgiving even in the deep trials of life? Do we believe it enough to to take the time and be specific in our prayers? Do we believe it enough to plead with the Lord? Pour out our hearts, pour out our souls, stay there until we knew, we know we have reached the throne and we experience that peace coming upon us. I I am afraid that the main reason we don't pray in this way is because deep down in the dark places of our hearts and minds that we won't like to talk about, we really don't believe prayer does any good. And that, that is doubt. That is unbelief. That is a lack of trusting in God. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. That those who, who please God, they must believe He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Do we believe God is? He exists. There is a God. It's the God of the Bible who has come to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we believe that enough to seek Him as He talks about? That's how we please Him, is in the seeking, is in the trusting, is in the the doing the things that He has called us to do. We must trust God. Why can't we give our problems to God and let Him give us His peace? Deep down, it's because we don't trust God. We may not like to think of it this way. But worry and anxiety and a lack of peace are the results of not trusting God. When we lose our peace, worrying about the things that are out of our control, it is because we don't trust God enough to say he'll handle it. He'll do what needs to be done. Maybe we don't trust his power, but he can. It may be that we don't trust his love for us, that he loves us enough to do what is best in the moment. Maybe we don't trust God's knowledge. He doesn't really know everything that's going on and everything that's happening. But deep down, no matter what it is, it's a trust issue. If we want to experience God's perfect peace, we must trust God. The perfect peace of God is always available to every disciple of Jesus. But we must trust God. And we must pour out our fear-filled anxieties to God in prayer. So I want to ask tonight as we close, do you have peace not the peace that you can put on a good face yeah everything's great it's wonderful I mean tonight when you go home and you lay in bed and it's dark and it's just you and God do you have peace in that moment or is it sleeplessness and restlessness because of fear filled anxiety If you do not have God's perfect peace, understand it is available to you. 
if you are a born-again disciple of Jesus. It is always available to you if you are a born-again disciple of Jesus. It may take a while. It may take a lot of praying and a lot of effort and a lot of work, but it is available. The God who gave peace to Israel is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He can give peace to us tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You tonight. You are great and glorious, wonderful and worthy. God, us tonight, Father, to be able to have your perfect peace. Search us and show us areas where maybe we don't trust you, that we could lay those sort of things aside and we would put our hope and our trust fully in you. Let us look to you and you alone for peace, knowing that anything we try to mix with that weakens the foundation, makes it certain we are going to to be filled with fear and anxiety. Draw us to times of prayer. Let us Pray until we are certain we have broken through. And in that moment, oh God, let your peace guard our hearts, guard our minds in Christ Jesus. Because you are who the word says you are. And you can and you do what the word says you can do. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.